Warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Welcome, everybody, to Supernatural The Crossroads on Rain Man Digital, Crossroads 003. I am your host, Thomas Cowley. Joined with me today, as always, is Ryan Denton. YOLO. And Michael Flores. And today we're going to be discussing Supernatural Season 14, Episode 2, Gods and Monsters. Now, this was another, in our opinion, solid episode, perhaps even slightly better than the season premiere. And it's followed their most recent template of how they do their premieres in that episode two is essentially part two of the premiere. You have one half setting up and the second episode kind of wraps things up and gets us going towards the main plot, sets up some of the main elements that we're going to be dealing with this season. And I think it's, it's very obvious that this is that even though it felt more standalone than maybe the last couple of years have season 11, 12 definitely were, this is half of a concept. Right. We have to see what else is going to happen. If they were given the option to do a two-hour premiere, these would be the two episodes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, they would. Now, with this one, we have Richard Spate Jr. coming back to direct, and he has very, very quickly, I think, in his time here, become one of the better directors that this series has. No doubt. At the moment. I, I don't think anybody would argue with you on that one. I mean, we've he praised... We've praised him all the way from his first episode in season 11, Just My Imagination, which was hilarious and fun, very much in the style of his character even. We've had the Tarantino tributes both in season 12 and season 13, as well as his own style with Twigs and Twine and Tasha Baines and, and all the other ones he's been a part of have been very fun to watch. And in this episode, we got a lot of those familiar tones from earlier seasons to bring out some of the intensity some of that rich lore and emotion that has been the fabric of this show since season one since Kripke's era and I want to also give a little bit of praise to the writers because frankly everyone on the cast because this episode for a long time I've I've enjoyed the show but it's very now and then that I get direct vibes that I'm watching something like Kripke's era right that emotional tone that family tone the symbolism throughout is well thought out. The directing, the sound design, the score, the cinematography, all of it has been really strong this episode. So kudos to Serge Loudonshare and Jeremy Winnick. This is an episode that's a perfect example of just good leadership where you have a decent script and then you have that director that understands what Supernatural is all about and yeah. that 
that surpasses the obvious, the writing. It, it, it's all about the tone. And that's what this episode nailed more than anything. It was a tonal success. It understood what ambience Supernatural needed to recapture. And that's what I felt when I was watching this episode. It's little things, how Michael drops the corpses in a pile in this dilapidated, decaying church. It's yeah. Richard Spate's ability to get the performance out of uh, Mark Pellegrino and Misha Collins that drive this episode forward in so many ways. In in the aspects that I think, while we may love right now, are we don't realize how important they may be right. as the season moves forward. And it really was as you said, Mike, a great example of leadership, how if you have all the pieces working together and you, and you keep it tight with what you want to say, with how you want to show this story, right. you can have a great example, a great fucking episode. Now, speaking of which, Castiel, I think, was easily the highlight for me. I loved him in this episode, seeing his interaction with Jack and with Nick. Not only did it hit those family tones, but it shows us really how far Castiel has come. We we make fun because we have some misfires in previous episodes and previous seasons. No one's doubting that. Well, I don't think it's a surprise or a mystery, I should say, Tom, is that I feel like most of us can agree that Castiel, they've struggled. The writers have struggled to oh, find yeah. purpose for Castiel. So whenever you have an episode like this... I chalk it off as a win because they mm -hmm. found something relevant for Castiel to do that works. Yeah, it, it was such a nice change of pace, I feel, yeah. personally, for that character. And with Nick, I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, that was dark real, real quick. That went from zero to 100 very, very fast. Yeah. And there's a lot of theories out there that perhaps Nick was the one who killed his family and doesn't even know it, which I think there's a lot of allusions to we'll we'll speak about that later as we get into the meat of the discussion but the the fact that he tried to snap kill castiel was fantastic that gave me chills yeah i was like oh shit what just happened i backed it up and watched <laughs> it again because like fuck he looked exactly like lucifer yeah. and and i love that about pellegrino's performance that he switched between those two characters because pellegrino's fucking amazing he's fucking good dude I, we i know we blow him a lot but he really <laughs> is amazing this whole scene and i and i i have i actually have the episode up right now as we're talking and just this scene dude it, the interaction between the two but pellegrino's genuine grief mm -hmm. of asking castiel you know why would i do that why would, like dude, dude it's powerful shit it's fucking good and how he was all over the map emotionally and in a good way for this episode. Yeah. For him as an actor, it's so refreshing to see him really stretch his acting ability and give us all kinds of different things in one episode. And again, that's kudos to the director as well for getting that performance out of an actor who clearly can do it. Now, the big the big thing is the Michael Dean situation and it, that it didn't last very long, allegedly. <laughs> we have been talking about wanting it to last longer we talked about how ah, that's what she said we talked about literally <laughs> wanting it to not be for me for thomas <laughs> not for me i just want it to be known that they don't say that but yours doesn't count as sex if you never finish 
Oh, remember? Oh, that's right. At least, at least in my uh, sexual capades, I don't come out with a yeast infection. Uh, all, right. Mm. all right, all right. If you want to know what that's about, go to the Rain Man yeah. show for that. <laughs> you just made You're Thomas just so turn happy. bright red, dude. You're such an asshole. He, he is. Yeah, you can't cut his feet out from under him. This is his <laughs> job. He can't get one up on me when it comes I give to him, a joke. I give one jab, and he's like, "Bring out the fucking cannon." Fuck you. You had an STD, bitch. <laughs> that's not really. I don't think that doesn't count as an STD. Ah, right. It doesn't. That's matter. a separate conversation entirely. Now, now, but if you want to know, check out the Rain Man show. <laughs> Promos. Now, we did want Michael and Dean to last longer than the three episodes we had with Demon Dean. It doesn't look like that right now, but yeah. there is a lot to be said. There is a lot of speculation that comes with that because, it, frankly, it was way too fucking easy. So, we wanted that to be a bigger part of the first half of the season. But how it was done actually still kind of works because it wasn't so much of a fix. It's it's more of a setup. And I think that's very obvious from how Michael, his last spoken scene before that happens. Yeah, it wasn't like w- tidy, like with Demon Dean. It's like, oh, it's well, over. We found a cure that, and that just that's worked. That's it. This had. No. This had this had opened the door for something even bigger. And because they left it with a question mark, that's yeah. why it worked. If they would have cleared this up, if they would have solved the Dean situation and left no questions, that would have been a problem. That would have been a disaster for me from well, the get go. And that's the key word there, questions, is that we're sitting here like, what the fuck happened? How? Yeah. Why? And that we didn't see any of it on screen. It's left it left big questions. And is Michael even gone? You know what I mean? Like right. they, it could go any direction. And I love when they write shows like this. That we don't know that what's going to happen. Yes. That's the whole point. Leaving it open-ended so that we can draw our own conclusions for that one yep. week. And we're killing ourselves. Like, all right, what's going to happen? What are they going to do? Is Michael really gone? Uh, does Michael have an even bigger plan? Look, if you're sitting here in this room right now and you truly think that Michael's gone, you're probably the dumbest person. In he here. went back home. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, you know what? I really don't like it here, so I'm just gonna go back to Apocalypse World. I knew it there; it was I mean, more fun there, more desaturated. Yeah, yeah I like that. There's, there's, a li- colors. there's a few more like really fucked up demon looking dudes that I'm kind of like I like smiting. You know, fuck this place. Yeah. Now we also have Av joining us on the show today. Hello, Av. Hey, Thomas. And what do you, real quick, before we get into, we're gonna get into the discussion later, but. Real quick, do you think Michael is gone or is that too easy? No, 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 no. I never thought he was. I I actually wrote in my notes, liar, like after he said it was him. <laughs> I was like, liar. No, I, I just yeah. imagine Star Wars. Yeah. Anakin yelling, liar. <laughs> liar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's far too simple. But we're going to get into that main discussion here in a little bit. First, as always, we do have news. And the only thing that might take away from that a little bit is the actual news and that Michael is not supposed to be Supernatural's main villain this season. Ryan, do you have the story? For us? I have that pulled up for the first time ever on this show. I'm actually ahead of you. Uh, so, no, Dean slash Michael is not Supernatural's main villain this season. Despite having his body taken over by rogue Archangel Michael in season 13 finale, the possessed Dean Winchester will not be the primary antagonist of Supernatural season 14. Uh, while promoting last week's return of the long-running long running CW series, executive producer Eugenie Ross Lemming revealed that while the latest episode starts with Michael as the main villain, a different threat will replace him for the majority of the season 14. And this is, uh, this is her quoting here. It says, everybody has to find a way to undo Michael, who's the super villain as we start off the year, but it will be, but will not be the primary villain, explained Ross Lemming in an interview with TV Line. 
Basically, he feels humans are useless, worthless, and slash worthless. They didn't work in Apocalypse World. They're not going to work in this world. So he believes monsters are straight up. He knows who he's dealing with, and he can manipulate them. But he learns a lesson. So it sounds like he's gonna he's gonna have someone bite and, off more than they can chew. And with some of that, we've kind of been able to put together those pieces that yeah. he has a plan that involves monsters. That he has humans have only been a problem for him from his time in Apocalypse World. They can't be controlled or subjugated to the same way that monsters can. Monsters have and, and that pure desire of just they want to eat. And if you have somebody who's that clear, what do you want? Then if I can give that to you, you're easier to control. And I'm okay with the villain handoff as long as it's done the right way and it doesn't feel like, hey, you know, Asmodea style or Gabriel yeah. style where it's just like, all right, we're done. Well, what happened to him? Like, that Why were they here? That doesn't even make sense. As long as it's a well thought out handoff, then it works. There's yes. plenty of shows and I can point to some on the CW and I usually point to Vampire Diaries and the originals. It may not be everyone's thing, but those shows are get rid of some of the melodrama and the teenage angst in Vampire Diaries. And those shows are very cleverly written. And one villain very rarely is the villain of the entire season. They break it into almost vignettes by like five or six episodes. They change the tone of the show and the villain. And suddenly you realize, oh, shit, this is what's really going on. But the way they do it never feels like they're just throwing things at the wall and they've changed their mind. It works and it feels like it was a thought out story. So as long as they go about it that way, that's fine. That'll work. So she says the last the last part of the article, there, there's another quote from her. and This is the one that really kind of piqued my interest. It says there's something else that's going to happen that will take a bigger toll on Dean. He's Ross Lemming, and he has to pay attention to that. He's going to lose his pretty face. He's going to lose his dick. No, oh, Mary, wow. Mary's going to die. Now he can't have sex with Castiel anymore. <laughs> Mary's going to die. A.V., is that what you said? That's what I said. Yeah. I hope not. Oh, not not again. I know. That's what I'm going to say. That's they, what they're going to say, too. Like, not say, again. Not again. Da, da, da. Mom's burning on the ceiling again. <laughs> Shit. Mom, is that you on the ceiling? And then Bobby's going to die. They're going to bring back him He's again from shot. another world. Dick's gonna, Dick, Dick Roman's going to come from another world and shoot him in the head. That'd be dope. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> Dick Roman coming back from another universe. You would like that. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's interesting how she worded that, though. There's something else that's going to happen that will take a bigger toll on Dean. I like that they're not telling us. Like, yes, that's a nice change of pace. Yeah. As Instead of them spoiling so everything for season 13. I, but basically, how this is the entire fucking season and how it's going to go down. Hi, I'm a character on the show and check out this promo. And here I am back, even though I was supposed to be dead. <laughs> yeah. Notice it's not Dab giving the interview. Oh. They probably cut him off. Like Dab gives away way too much. Get him off. Right. Cut him off. It's never mind. I was going to make another joke about a cast member, but I side against it. No, but it is nice to have that mystery, that intrigue, because that's supposed to get us wanting to watch the rest of the season. For sure. Especially now we kind of knew Michael wasn't going to be at possessing Dean. He wasn't going to be the full threat for the entire season. At least we to assumed. Dean in terms of him being his uh, vessel, being his vessel. Yeah. Right. But that is interesting that 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 they're saying Michael will not be the main threat, that something else will happen. And we got a little bit of a clue, perhaps, as to what one of those things could be or the bigger antagonist. I wouldn't say villain mm -hmm. antagonist for this season might be later in this episode. 
So it's interesting to see where that goes. And this is these are good questions to have. Good questions. That's the that's what we have to stress because there were some people complaining as per usual what? on social media about I don't know what's going on. I'm like, well, we're two episodes in. Um, these are good You're not questions. Supposed to know. These are the types of questions we should have. These are the types of questions that showrunners and writers should pose. I mean, when, when you're dealing with the opening episodes, I, I just, I can't, I can't with people like that. Yeah. Well, that's why I, well, I, mean, I kind of stay off social again, media. When you go back and as you much look as at I can. season one through forever, almost of Supernatural and, and many shows, season one, especially, you didn't know what happened to their dad. That's the whole plot for half, for the entire for the whole year. season. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to him? What is he after? Who's he chasing and why? All of those questions. And we were just kind of in the Impala along for the ride. To have that again, that same sense rather than – and that's the difference between we have good questions to ask and what the fuck are we doing here, which was season 12 yeah, in the beginning. So now we're with all of that, we can talk about each one of these elements forever, which is what hap- – which is why we do all kinds of different things through Patreon. So if you guys want more Supernatural The Crossroads every month, you can get so by pledging to our Patreon page where we produce various different types of shows every month in order to create more options for each one of you listeners out there and get a chance to get more of this content. By pledging a dollar, we give you the monthly Crossroads minicast that ranges between... We try to keep it 10 minutes, but we never do. We can always talk longer. That goes from 10 to 30 minutes just because we're bad at it. We also have the $2 tier where you get access to Mike's new mini show, The Cinematography of Supernatural, where he does interpretive discussions, breakdowns of select scenes, select shots. And if you've ever wanted to know the minutia details of filmmaking, that is the tier for you. We have the $3 tier where you get access to the behind the scenes, what we do in the back room here, what Ryan does in front of the cameras every day before they've even started, (laughs) as well as the Crossroads pre-show that we have started to do now. At the $5 tier, you get access to the Crossroads bonus cast during the TV season, which we do a monthly wrap-up slash review. We have little specific episodes dedicated to a specific showrunner or a writer or any topic that we want to talk about that doesn't exactly fit within the main show itself. At the $10 tier, we've got the Crossroads video cast two to three times a month where we do retrospective episodes just like this going all the way back to season one with video content as well as specialty shows. And if you get to the $15 tier, you get the opportunity to view the live camera feed of our discussions, and there is a gift tier as well. And the cool thing about Patreon, for those of you who do not know, is that the higher you go, you also gain access to all the stuff below. So if you do the $10 a month tier, you're essentially going to be getting eight or so different pieces of content every single month. Not to mention all the other geek-centric content we offer for Patreon. Which ranges between 30 and 40 additional shows. It's a and shitload, dude. It's a, we put out more on Patreon now than we do regularly. Free. The regular show. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on over there. So if you guys are interested in any of that, head on over to patreon.com slash Digital to pledge. We're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to get into season 14, episode two, Gods and Monsters in just a minute.
Show. The Rain Man Show. Andrew, Please. moving on, keeping up with the women. Oh. The woman who broke her vagina. Oh. <laughs> they can break. Shares a hilarious Wait, warning. she did what? How did she, she break it? Broke her vagina. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Continue, Andrew. Uh, shares a hilarious warning about using sex toys for the first time. What did she do? Like, ram it all the way in, including the, the remote control? So how do I do this? <laughs> the cable's still there. We just shove it all in there. Is this how this thing it's works? It's all supposed to go in, right? Sex columnist, Nadia. <laughs> Is this how it works, guys? I'm not sure. They told me at uh, Fascinations that this is what I need. Very high powered. Actually, oops, I wasn't Fascinations. The receipt says Lowe's. <laughs> at least Lowe's has a great return policy. Nadia Bacodi. Hold on, I'm not having a comment. I haven't came yet. I'm almost there. I'm like Randy. You gotta work it. All right, almost. All right, we're done. <laughs> The 34-year-old goes to say in a video, it had been a long time since I had sex, referring to her voice from her husband. It was quite odd, and looking back, that I was running a woman's website. Hold on a second. Randy. Yeah. Has there been some cold spells in your life where you didn't have sex for periods? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. What do you do to satisfy yourself? Do you use vibrators or do you just use the old the old flicker room? Um, Go ahead. You use Don't lie. Tinder or Snapchat, and you oh, get so, to come okay, over. So that's what you've done. Everyone knows that sex is it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So were you known as the girl that just has sex on the apps? Like they're like, oh, we all got to get Randy. <laughs> she just wants no. Sex. You just lock down a few. Trusty key people, uh, oh, okay. yeah, key people, and you just kind of and you went, okay. what are you doing? And then you say just like that. What are you doing? Do they all come running after that? <laughs> come here, you. <laughs> I'm ready for you. <laughs> Hold still and bring your mouth down to my pussy. <laughs> Do you mind if I use this dildo as well? I just picked it up from Home Depot. <laughs> Come on, use that tongue, boy. <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. This is Star Wars Phone Butter Tank Exclusive. Not forget the the holiday special and the Ewok movies. They want to bitch about the gar- <laughs> the alleged garbage we're getting. Let's not forget the Ewok specials. Yeah, those Ewok specials and the holiday special. You guys got have you forgotten that? I mean, I'm still trying to figure out who the fuck Sindel is. Like who? Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a that that was a that was a pull from the vault. <laughs> that was that her name? Yeah, it was <laughs> Sindel. I don't know how. That's like muscle memory, Dave. <laughs> that should show everyone I'm a true Star Wars fan. The fact that I can just think Ewok special, boom, Sindel. <laughs> and the fact that suddenly Wicket could speak English. Yeah, that's, that's the thing that baffled me. It was like, how do you explain that? Also, if you've missed our last show, you can also find us on your Stitcher.
Have you missed an episode of Supernatural The Crossroads? Catch up on all our discussions. Just search Supernatural The Crossroads on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also find it on the RMD app. Just search Rain Man Digital from your iTunes app store or Google Play. Previously on Supernatural The Crossroads. Here that we I didn't get enough Dean expect. Winchester. I need a more Dean. I need a more Dean more with Dean. abs and just Dean and a yeah. dick and some Dean. <laughs> some Dean dick. <laughs> I wish we had a we do. There is a camera oh, on him. Thank Jesus. That was amazing. <laughs> what are you talking about, Thomas? <laughs> Fucking Dean. Right here. Need more of that. <laughs> That's what I. That's what I envision. That is what I envision when I see people bitch and moan about not getting enough Dean. <laughs> Listen, it's Dean's show along with Sam. Sam's it, also guess there. What? He's gonna be back. I know he is, but it's like that's what I feel like. I feel like people bitch like that. Well, I just want to see more Dean so I can fucking flick my bean. <laughs> He's just not a Dean. Why I watch Dean? Uh, <laughs> oh my god. That's what I feel like. Well, it wasn't just... Welcome back, everybody. Supernatural, The Crossroads. Now we're going to get into the discussion of Season 14, Episode 2, Gods and Monsters. Ryan, can you give us a synopsis, please? Sure can. With the lead from Sister Joe about Dean's location, Sam, Mary, and Bobby go to Duluth to investigate a mass smiting. In the bunker, Castiel attempts to comfort Jack and Nick, which leads to two facing elements of their own past. Now, as we said, this one was directed by Richard Spate Jr. and written by Brad Buckner and Eugenie Ross Lemming. And with this episode being the second part of the season premiere, essentially, the first episode last week, we discussed how the focus was really on Sam as a leader. And in this episode, we get the other half of that coin where we see more of a focus on Michael and a little bit of a preview into his plans and what he's doing. Now, at the moment, sadly, Michael Michael Dean wasn't really a thing. But the way this episode worked itself through to the from final to premiere, worked those kinks out, showed us that they've got something bigger planned than what we are currently seeing. And I think... That is a good thing, even if it does frustrate some people, ourselves included, because we were the biggest, well, not the biggest, but we were huge proponents of let's have this last seven episodes, mid-season finale before they resolve this issue. See, I still think they will, though. They will which? Keep it going. Several episodes. I don't like this is not the last we've seen of Michael in this whole situation. Well, correct. We we can safely assume this isn't the last we've seen of him, but the idea that Dean was going to be possessed by Michael completely with no say or control of whatever until that mid-season finale point was kind of what we were hoping for or thinking would be the case. But it, it doesn't seem that way now. I don't know. I've got an idea for you. Good, okay. Gadriel could hide himself from Sam. That's yeah, true. That's a that's a valid reason as to why Michael could still be around. 
I mean, they, the, the whole purpose of the episode wasn't necessarily to say, hey, Michael and Dean are still a thing, guys. It, the whole point of the writing was more about posing a question, which works to immediately get all of us wondering and wanting more. Sometimes writing isn't about what's actually happening right then and there. Mm-hmm. It's about creating that bridge to get us to where we're going. Right. So if Michael was willing to just let Dean go, what is he working on? What is his real plan? If that's the direction we're going with it. There's also questions as to whether or not Dean is really free of Michael, as A.V. had mentioned. As she also Mm -hmm. said, we already know that angels have the ability to hide themselves like Gadriel did with Sam. And Sam never even knew he was there or when he would actually take control of the driver's seat. He didn't even remember. So that's also a possibility as well. Now, there's also another option. We know he's experimenting with what looks like angel grace possibly his own right thomas possibly but i am confused by that because we've also got note in this episode that it takes it can take months to hundreds of years for angels to repair or regenerate their grace so would he want to be so carefree with with his his own own limited supply that's a great question thomas however also there's a big difference between jack being half human jack was pretty much depleted Right. Pretty much. Lucifer wasn't going to leave any behind. Whereas, as we saw last year in previous seasons, you can take a little bit of grace and there still be some Powerful. left over. They're just slightly weaker. Plus, we know he's from an alternate dimension. So who knows if that same limit applies to him? Yeah. And we don't even know what he's experimenting with. Like, well, honestly, I feel like it has more to do, at least with, if this is considered misdirection, it could also be that. But we also found, it also seems like Michael found a way to create sustainable vessels out of monsters. I feel like that's also the direction they're trying to lead us down. Whether or not that's the case, I don't think matters, but I definitely feel like that's something See, they're setting up. That's, I, I didn't get that. I got from this that he's trying to make <clears throat> better soldiers. He's trying to make soldiers not out of not out of angels, but out of monsters. He took away the fact that they, that could, could, be it. they could get hurt by silver. Mm-hmm. He took away their weaknesses. If you really look at it. So my, my thought process on that was that why would he be doing this with monsters if he failed on his planet or, you know, air, we'll put air quote failed on his planet with angels. Maybe he's trying to make better soldiers out of monsters. So here's why I think it's a hybrid of the two. I think a hybrid of the two ideas could work because with in his, in this universe he's in angels cannot help him. There's nine of them. They can barely do anything. They're the fucking Z squad at this point they're done demons are no good to him because they're insects they've always been insects to everybody that's not a demon and humans were the ones who no matter how hard he tried no matter how hard he squeezed they would not just die they would not give up and surrender but monsters with that purity Mm -hmm. they only want to eat he can if he makes them powerful enough to where hunters can't stop them and lets them loose they can cure the human problem in a way for him. They will always be subjugated to what he wants because they are easy to control due to that pure desire of feeding. And with the fact that they are no longer weak to their previous things, and it might be his own grace, mm-hmm. he has limitless vessels, limitless potential, and is essentially could be immortal. He could jump from vessel to vessel no matter the damage sustained, no matter the problem, and always have an army of people willing to say yes because he feeds them and controls them utterly. That's kind of the direction I'm going with it as well, Thomas. You and I seem to be on the same page. I feel like he's creating things that he can just jump 
wherever he it's wants. It's an army he can jump into at any time, regardless of the situation. Yeah, and if they didn't have that conversation, there's a certain amount of respect that he had for the werewolf leader. Why would he sit down and talk to anybody? It feels yeah. like an interview to see if these things will be the right fit for him. Especially when he throws the female werewolf across the room when she tries to attack him. He, he he's, yeah. sees them as lesser, but he did give the leader, regardless of whoever it was, the leader got an, op- an audience. Yeah. He gave him a drink. He wanted to talk to them. Right. It isn't just about taking over and killing anymore. He's trying he's done to find. That. Yeah. He's trying to find another alternative. And whatever it may be, because we can sit here and speculate for the next two or three hours yep, yeah. and not even hit the right answer. The focus again, or the intention was the fact that they're creating questions for us to do this. And this is, these are the best types of questions you can have. You always hear these writers nowadays and producers on social media saying, oh, but they're talking about our show. They're, we're creating a dialogue. Right. This is how you create proper dialogue because there's, well, no, there's, there's no complaints. It's just, holy shit, what? You can have a, a dialogue. lot of speculation. You can have a dialogue that's also what the fuck just happened. That's what The Walking Dead's had for the last four years. Yeah. So, Well, it's like what the Westworld producer said uh, where a lot of people complain there's huge backlash on season two. And the producer and the executive over at HBO said, well, we're doing exactly what we want to do. A lot of people are talking about it. I'm like, well, dude, you're creating negative dialogue. That's not what you want. That's not, that's not what you want. Whereas this is a good example of creating positive dialogue because it's just a lot of people going back and forth, you know, what with different ideas. Be. Yeah. This is what I missed about Supernatural. These types this of questions. Speculation. Yeah. Yep. This is the best part about the episode for me. Well, and with werewolves and, and Michael said it himself, essentially, with monsters being a bigger part of the story, a bigger threat due to his plans, due to whatever the fuck he's experimenting with, it brings the show back to its – classic horror roots with the us not being afraid of demons and deals and angels so much as it is the the things that go bump in the night there's a primal fear there of being hunted and and i like how he brought that up a couple of different times yeah. why be the hunted when you can be the hunter humans sam and dean even us as audience take advantage or take for granted the fact that we're like all right they're gonna go into this room and murder everybody but in season one, we had, oh, fuck, there's like four alpha, there's four vampires. What are they going to do? Because it was more of a threat. Yeah. With that kind of coming back, it, it, it ups the stakes without changing the game by bringing in something new like a Leviathan. Yeah. See, and I'm I, glad I, you I like said that. that because part of my notes, I wrote, you know, this is Shades of Eve because he was making monsters and mm-hmm. also Shades yeah, of Leviathans because he was like, you know, eat the humans turn right. them into cattle i mean that that's what the the werewolf that's what their plan said. was yeah yeah and I, it, that was definitely a highlight for me as well because yeah depending on what they're doing with these monsters either way the fact that they're bringing it back to the roots is a huge plus for me just because it, it works with the tone of the show and if they're finding another way to reinvent the monster mm-hmm. threat much like what we saw in season six even if it's not a major issue I, using those familiar notes of supernatural is always a plus. Yeah. It, it's what it's the reason why we watch this show for 14 years and have done correctly. It's a great way to flesh out new and fresh ideas. Right. And there is a little bit of it's, it's both fun and the annoying part of social media because there is a little bit of 
evidence lending credence to the theory that werewolves will be a bigger player this season due to DJ Qualls mysterious tweet from just a few weeks ago, which in retrospect now makes a lot more sense. Yep. Uh, This was on September 15th. He said, how are you guys? I'm feeling well, super. I'm hearing a rumor that I will be returning to a show that I love being a part of such amazing fans. It's been way too long. Yeah. With Garth completely MIA since what season nine. They're going to do another the Shit, new guy I don't too. Even remember. They're going to make a movie. Another movie. <laughs> oh, 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 super. Na- oh, got it. Yeah. And you know what? This is how you bring back a character though. Cause I know we always bitch and complain well, about bringing characters back, but if it doesn't make sense, cause you're pulling them literally out of an alternate dimension. Cause it, fuck it. Right. This actually works and makes sense. This is how you do fan service. Everybody loves Garth. He's an awesome character. A great, He's fun, a, a great addition to the back in the day, the revolving guest appearance. He was great, but he's a werewolf and that kind of ended his appearances on the show a bit yeah his story kind of kind of ended but what a way to bring his story back back now yeah right because they made it relevant the fact that he's a werewolf he's gonna if they go the direction i'm thinking he's gonna have some type of inside information some type of connection he's a werewolf and if these werewolves are if they can get info from or they're bringing him back to kill him just like every other guest spot (laughs) No, 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 no. see this is how i see garth playing out is, what was that? I, this is how I see Garth playing out. Is because remember him and his little clan or group or whatever, they mm-hmm. didn't attack humans. Yeah, and so if you now have, uh, you know, werewolves being hunting super, people, yeah, souped up and then hunting people, then they're eventually going to run into them, and so there's yeah. so there's going to be a clash, and then maybe that's how they're going to pull in the boys is because. Garth is going to be like, dude, this is what's going on. And see, and that's where it's a great way to pave the road for a return that makes a lot of sense. Unlike we've, we complained about in season 13's latter half where it's just like, Hey, we love this character. We'll bring him back. No questions asked. This is a logical way that fits into not only the season as a whole, but it fits for where the character is. It gives the brothers something to to directly play off of as a supporting character always should yep. it's it's well thought out and i do really appreciate that yeah werewolves becoming a threat or even under the threat of like some angelic transformation hybrid it, it, monster it, it paves the way perfectly for qual to come back and reprise his roles garth if in fact that's what they're doing oh yeah because uh, imagine the quandary that he would be in you know let this angelic being or whatever change you so that you can't be hurt by silver and pretty much lead a normal life except for the turning into a wearable business um right but you would have to be under their control subjugation right or say no thanks and be you know in in a fight with everybody (laughs) yeah and if if things do go that route i mean i think we can all agree that garth would that's going to be a hard pass. There's no way he would he would sign up for an archangel's plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's he's definitely he's definitely not going to sign up or any type of free will there at he's all. He's too much of a rebel hunter, like all the Americans were in season twelve. He understands the layout and the the contentious relationship between humans and angels. And if he finds out an archangel is suddenly back. It's red flags. He knows that it isn't going to be flowers and puppy dogs and rainbows. There's an issue there. Well, I mean, the the bodies are already stacking up in that very first scene. 
Yeah. With my which great opening scene. Yeah. And seeing that as as your alternative doesn't really give you a lot of choices yeah. in the matter. Now, the production design and the cinematography was also used this week to really drive home some of those subtle clues that could very well end up being some vital pieces of visual subtext. And for that, again, you guys check out the Patreon, the cinematography of Supernatural. It does a, Mike does a great job bringing that to light in a lot of different ways. With this episode, how it started out, that opening scene within the old church really did seem to sell the idea that Michael is essentially the new God or in charge. Metaphorically speaking, he is the leader. And they sold that through this whole opening sequence. We've got old chains dangling in the forefront. You know, potentially, let's look at that from a symbolic standpoint. These are the shackles that he has freed himself of. He is no longer beholden to this bombed out war zone of a world he is free and completely in control to do whatever he wants there's no god there's no omara there's no lucifer he's not even beholden to a troop of angels he has to lead at this point he's no longer having to go by god's plan and being the archangel being the leader from our own universe we know that has been their entire life thousands of years millennia of existence that is always what has been the credence, or the creed. Do what God says. And, and we know with Supernatural, Michael was always the devout son. So to see him no longer have to be beholden to that, those chains are decaying, they're, they're no longer relevant, is a big thing for him as a character. And we could see how this would change his viewpoint if you see you're no longer as special is that is you're no longer as special as you once thought when you thought you were the leader of all the angels in the universe and then you find out there's pocket dimensions you're no longer that special anymore yeah that's huge i i feel like especially um, for someone with his psyche i would think yeah i mean if you're you're the leader you're a religious zealot by de- by definition following a divine plan and you find out you're just another cog in the machine. Yeah. The visuals sold all of it for me. And I think the visuals is what really strengthened Michael's narrative purpose. I feel like if people were looking at those visuals, I think people would actually see. In fact, I, I, uh, I urge everyone to go back and rewatch specifically the introduction. And you would see where a lot of this visual symbolism really comes through the whole idea of of him breaking his chains as you said but there's more to it than just that remember who he is i would imagine as an angel that was a radical true believer this is a michael that actually succeeded in god's plan and he performed he he did the apocalypse and then suddenly you find out there are other worlds and you're just one cog among others it might rattle your zealous an eager devotion to this divine plan. Because why would you care anymore? Right. And, and after we see those chains, the camera rack focuses to statues and idols, God and his saints that are toppled over and covered up by webs. Right. Well, the, the old ways don't matter. That has been forgotten. That has been decayed. And we, again, we see that, especially when you compare what Michael says in this episode to what we see in the beginning God has left the building. He's on permanent holiday. It doesn't, we see that with these statues. The church is decaying and nobody believes 
anymore because there's no one to believe in. And what's the only clean shot we see? They follow up all those introduction shots, all those, I would say, 30 seconds. They follow it up with a shot of Michael's very clean looking hat sitting on top of all of it with nothing else in focus within the frame. And it gives an aura of superiority. It's all done intentionally. And I think the attentive viewer would be able to kind of glean similar meaning from these visual. Yes, it's very interpretive based Mm -hmm. on you as a viewer. But I feel like most of us would probably pull similar things if you're really carefully looking at the introduction. And they're contrasting. It's very evident. They're contrasting the new and the old. It's not just contrasting the new and the old, but it's also, to me, a symbol of who Michael is as a person. It's that phrase of they would watch the world burn if they could be king of the ashes. He literally in that church is king, but surrounded by decay and death and destruction it doesn't matter to him because he got what he wants. Yeah. And, well, and I don't think his that plan. That makes sense because I, that's where he came from too. A, a world literally on fire. Yeah. And I don't think his plan is to be God. We've been there, done that. No, but not I, really. But I think if you listen to what he said, his, his choice verbiage, and you pair that with the visuals that accompanied him, he fancies himself as a God. As we heard when he was talking with the werewolf, as you said, God is on permanent holiday. The way he said it also strengthens those visuals. You get the gist that he he's had he's had it up to here with mm-hmm. God and the respect that he may have had no longer is there. And you could see why, too. Well, wouldn't you have a crisis of faith due to all these new possibilities that he was unaware of? N- nobody knew of these pocket dimensions except apparently death. death and the Reapers. Yeah. I mean, that would shake anybody's devout Beliefs. I mean, especially the this guy. This guy was a he is a radical in a lot of ways. He's more radical than the Michael we had. Oh, I would I would absolutely say he's more and, radical. And what destroys a radical more than anything when Lack suddenly faith. their faith is taken from them? Nothing else like that. And and I love the parallel that has to what we saw Lucifer go through in season twelve in the rock and roll, uh, rock never dies yes. episode seven. Where when you realize that it's meaningless, these powerful entities, no matter who they are, no matter what they're capable of, no longer care and, yeah. and are capable of all kinds of violence or darkness or evil acts. And the difference, I think, is Lucifer was always more childish. I, we love the character, but he is more childish and emotion-based. Whereas oh, we see in sure. this episode, Michael does not give a fuck and he gets things done. I'm hoping they go with that route a bit just to kind of give our our temporary villain a little bit more oomph to him because mm-hmm. that's something that I felt like suffered a bit with last season is there wasn't any real motivation behind any of our villains. And even if Michael is not our main villain and it, if this if this ideology of his only lasts another two episodes or three episodes, if it has lasting effects and motivation, not just on him. But let's say it causes, you know, cause and effect, whatever he does that motivates his his villainy. Mm -hmm. It creates some other issue down the road. Either way, it creates depth to a character, even if he's around for two or three episodes. That's what a good writer does. And, And sometimes you do it so well. It's hard to kill off characters that that's when you know you have a good character, when you kill that character and it hurts as a writer to say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to kill this guy now. That's when you know you wrote a good character. Because you don't want to get rid of them. Yeah, dude. I mean, I don't know. Isn't that what we want? Yeah. Oh, 
we always talk about that. Now there is some some more speculation. Did you get see? And this is the thing about Jensen. Jensen played it very close to his chest. And yes, he. This is why Jensen's such a good actor because there's some things that they purposely gave away that you kind of can pull things from and kind of speculate. But then there's some things that were a little bit more uh, ambiguous. I felt that there might have been even the possibility. I'm not saying this is a for sure thing, but for mm-hmm. the purpose of speculation and discussion, what if, and I hope they don't do this, but I also got this idea that he did away with God himself when he said, oh no, he's gone. Permanent holiday. I got oh, that. Did, did he do something to God? Is there more than one God, which I hope uh, there's not. Let's not convolute this yeah, more than there is. I think that's a, mistake if there is well so would i i agree with you 100 i feel like that's just way too convoluted he said it with knowingness he he did have some some sincerity in his voice it felt like he knew something right yeah i would perhaps see i didn't get that because just simply because from the episode a couple of years ago where god literally was dying and the universe whatever was oh it seemed like it was it. gonna fall apart uh, not necessarily kill him but put him away major he couldn't interfere with anything i don't know and i think it's the truth to me is that chuck is like the worst absentee father because he makes the universe and he's like all right that was fun okay later off to the next one and he like never comes back i got it i i understand from a speculation standpoint and it could be something there because he does seem very definitive with his statement. There was knowing but I behind feel, his words. I feel like it's more that even if Chuck was in his universe at one time, he has been gone since the beginning. Kind of like he was in ours until Amara showed up. Right. I think it's that same sense that Chuck shows up, creates something, and then fucks off to the next place because he doesn't like to come back to see his own failings because of his ego. Right. Could it also- I think it more kind of reinforces Chuck who we know him to be. Could it also have been bravado on Michael's point or part since he was on Michael's part? It could be. Yeah, it could be. I mean, yeah. he's definitely got the arrogance. Anything's for possible it. at this point. <laughs> and again, that's all wild speculation yeah. at this point. But I think for me, one of my favorite parts of this episode was not the Michael big setup for the rest of the season, but was absolutely Castiel, Nick and Jack. They were a huge part of this episode. I'd say about 50% of this episode was watching them and their interactions and what they are going through. Yeah. And it was a subplot that didn't really have any major connections to what is currently going on with Michael, with Dean and Sam even. But it's so, so important, I think, for these characters to evolve, to see where they go, to see... One of the things that I like about Dab during his run is the focus on the emotional fallout that actions have. In season 13, they go to therapy. They they are upset and tormented about the loss of everyone they've cared about for multiple episodes. Yeah, he takes time to develop the emotional side of some of our characters. And to see that happen with Nick in this episode, Mm -hmm. to see that happen with Jack in this episode – it's fantastic because it's not just, well, I got I lost my powers. I'll worry about that later when they come back at the deus ex machina necessary event. It's I don't know how to fucking function now. I can barely tie my shoes like yeah. that's the level at which Jack is. And without his powers, he feels so alone that he risks 
fucking all kinds of other things up by going to see grandparents he doesn't know in the slightest. Right? Yeah, they're planting seeds that I'm sure will no doubt eventually intersect with, the, with the main. To. Yeah, of course, by the end of the season or even sooner. But they are setting it up and they should because that was another issue we had with last season is they kind of introduced these new ideas and we were just like, OK, wait a second. Like what did we? There were moments where we felt like we missed something in previous episodes because suddenly something happens to a character or suddenly someone's here and we're just left wondering, okay, well, what happened here? So the fact that they are starting out immediately with these subplots and they're introducing uh, the the, the issues of Nick and and Jack, I feel like that's smart. As long as they continue it and it goes someplace, this is a nice – this is nice icing on the cake. This is how you do a subplot because it had all the feels – that you needed to stay invested and mm-hmm. also care about a character like Nick slash Lucifer that a lot of us kind of just rolled our eyes when we found out he was going to be in it again. So for I know them, I did. Yeah. So for them to kind of go this route, it did. I was surprised because I was doubtful, but they managed to suck me in and I was very interested in the direction they were taking it. Yeah, I think what sold it all the more was having Castile play the role that he did. That well-grounded and actually like like therapist. He was emotionally helpful human. He was empathetic. To them. He was Jack's father figure in this episode. Helping him through, trying to teach him life lessons that it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. That's how essentially his role models, your your extended family well, has done it. We've seen Castiel go through a change in the years in in years that we've seen him and he he now has more experience on earth he has more experience mm-hmm. with dealing with people yeah. and i think you know if he tried to do this a couple years ago he he wouldn't be able to do shit yeah. so now he's got these experiences with these with human beings and he knows kind of you have to think you know nick has had lucifer inside his you know his body for so long that <laughs> hey hey <laughs> um that you know all he knows is evil yeah. At that point. And and as far as Jack goes, Jack is, is still what, like a year old? Not even. Yeah. So you I have guess. to understand that even to Cassiel, who's only been on Earth for, you know, a few years, still has more experience with with Jack than anybody. Well, I, mean, I think the big thing him. is that it's shown that he has truly changed. He has truly matured. You're right, Ryan. Absolutely. He is no longer that, frankly, naive idiot that he was in seasons eight, nine, and so on with Metatron making mistakes well and he's no longer thinking if i bear the brunt of all of this mistake right. like i did with lucifer being allowed into this vessel in season 11 i can make up for it that those are teenage mistakes see yeah. and i, I and like castiel what... really is going through the same human growth pattern of you know super confident nothing can stop me to i don't need you and and trying to go out on your own and fucking up. Right. And now he's older, he's wiser, he's more mature, and he can actually offer that emotional support to two people who are perhaps the only people, Cassio's the only one who they can truly relate to, to that degree. And this is where I really like the writing this week, because it shows that the that Dab and the writing room fully understood what they were going to do with this episode. Yeah. Because... This aspect that we got this week with Castiel showing his maturity, showing that he's able to to actually be 
that helpful. Am- helpful and understand <laughs> and, and understand human turmoil internally. He's an angel. Angels suffer to understand that. Even Castiel For and years. finally, finally 10 years living on earth, he's finally been able to to understand human behavior and use that knowledge to help these characters and introduce these these new subplots, which is something this is where the writing comes in, the good writing. This is something that they couldn't have done as easily if Sam would have been front and center or mm-hmm. even mentally present. He's checked out since last episode. He's focused on finding Dean. Yeah. So where does that leave Jack and Nick? That's where Castiel comes in. That's that's well thought out writing because now you yes. have things for all of your characters to do. It's also how you keep Castiel on the sideline with a purpose. It's not simply, oh, he's lost his powers or, oh, Lucifer possessed him or some other arbitrary reason for him yeah. to just be gone. He's out yeah. looking for – he's buying groceries. It also has the free fruit of life from the <laughs> tree of life kind of look that we had previously. This is thought out because you're right. Not only does it give him something to do, but it does introduce those subplots that leaves our main characters free to yeah. pursue the main plot. And that's my biggest takeaway from this these moments and this season or this this episode as a whole is that, holy shit, everybody that they have in the show that we're looking at actually have a point. Yeah. It's not just, hey, everybody, I'm here today. Clap because I know you guys love me. Like these are right. characters that actually have points as of right now there's people the ones getting screen time have a reason to be there not just hey remember so and so yeah we know you love them yeah and the thing is while jacks is kind of building on to what we saw before what we've seen throughout the previous years i think the biggest most interesting one is nick because it is one that we thought it's were, I'm just like, this a is big fucking what, it's just a big what the fuck like holy well, fuck originally, what's happening originally i'm like this is Really, we're bringing him back. I think everybody was along those lines with the first episode. But with this, holy shit, did that go from zero to 100? Did that turn my interest around? It went from, I don't know what role Nick's going to have. Maybe there'll be some fallout and emotional damage from that. To when he did that snap to try and kill Castiel, I... Did a double take. I was like, holy I, I actually, re- I actually rewound it. I was like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah, talk and about again. Kudos memory. to Mark Pellegrino. He went from Nick emotionally distraught to Lucifer. Yeah. in a half second, and then a half a second later went to confusion. Went back to confusion and dis- emotional distress. I'm like, and I love Misha Collins's reaction where he's just like, "What the fuck did I just see?" <laughs> and a lot of this is spate too. We got to give credit to directing. Absolutely. I mean, that's a- an actor does great work, but. They need that director and to, to uh, bring that performance out of them. Yes. And boy, did it pay off. That was so compelling yeah. to see that. I actually wrote in my notes. Potential for evil. And again, this is a good way to ask questions because now we're sitting here as we see with, with what happens later in the episode, how much of this trauma that Nick went through is some of it because he was possessed by Lucifer for so long that he has essentially been forever corrupted in some way which, like his own mark of cain which is logical right you have if you yeah. were possessed by evil for the for this many years and you got to remember crowley also did Tinkered. all types of fuckery with that vessel who knows what he did 
or yeah. So there's a lot of questions. This is all new territory. We can't really go based on what we know of possessed vessels because this is completely new. Just like Castiel's vessel is something entirely different. Yeah. Nick's vessel is also entirely, entirely different. different. And that's what I love about that aspect is that we don't know. We can't even really logically say that's what's going to happen because this is all new territory. I just, I, the whole Nick thing was, was interesting to me because it's like he spent more time than maybe Castiel with, you know, someone inside like him being in their vessel, in their body. Mm -hmm. So like, is it, is it hard to say that, you know, Nick is not corrupted for that amount of time yeah. having the yeah. Lucifer and like, I mean, it, it, take over Sam your body had it for a fraction of a time and it caused it fucked him up and, and being in hell for X amount of years, you know, fucked him up royally. So think about being, you know, Lucifer's vessel for what? At least two, three years, like actual time spent yeah. in two to three years. That's, that's that would corrupt anyone. I think, or yeah. again, this is a good question because then it asks, or was he already psychologically unstable from previous events? Was he the one that killed his family and doesn't know it? There's a lot of evidence leading to that might be the ultimate conclusion, the ultimate reveal, which would make sense in a way. Mm -hmm. When we go back to earlier seasons, the other vessels that Azazel prepped for Lucifer, the entire end of season two, seeing which kid would be the one and his money was on Sam. Those people had problems. They, one killed Sam. One tried to kill other people repeatedly. Like they, they all, all suffered. Were suffering. Yeah. It was some type of evil psychosis. It was something inherently wrong with them brought on by Azazel's tampering with them as children. So it, it, it's logical to, to come to that conclusion that there may just be something wrong with Nick because it would make sense. Anything that's a vessel of Lucifer, they're evil. Well, and Those also, kids weren't good people. They were no. bad. Sam's the only one that had the, the integrity or the strength, I should say, the internal strength to resist those evil urges. Well, also there's the idea that maybe as Sam and others have been possessed by demons, perhaps Nick was before and forced to kill his own family because if I was Azazel – or Lucifer, getting somebody to murder their own family so they're emotionally distraught and will easily say yes seems like a pretty good way to confirm I've got a vessel. If Sam won't do it for right now, you force someone else's hand by fucking up their life. That's completely Lucifer. Yeah. So, And, and the, the interesting thing is with A, the friend that changed the story with the cold case because he must have been mistaken – us not finding out what exactly happened there yet it leads me to want to watch next week and the the ominous factor that he killed him with the same weapon a hammer and then we f the shot pulls in tight on the hammer. on that bloodied hammer with the dead body in the background as he looks at himself in the mirror not recognizing who he is or what he's done that speaks volumes about what could have potentially happened 10 years ago I, yeah i literally said oh shit out loud when that <laughs> happened. Yeah. It's dark too. Yeah. And this is just another example yet again that it's just a great direction that they took with Nick and it, it 
poses questions. Does Lucifer return? Does it mean a new Lucifer or something else entirely? What's going to happen? Obviously, Mm -hmm. something major is going to come of this. You don't start the season off with the introduction of Lucifer's vessel and build it up like this unless something major is going to be connected to this. Especially with that interview from Eugenie Ross Lemming, knowing that Michael's not the ultimate villain and something else terrible will happen. Yeah. Dude, I'm excited with that's, these with these questions and these yes. possibilities. And more so than last year. Yeah. Well, last year I think was very tight, but we were all kind of waiting to see let's let all right, let's see how things kick yeah. off. We definitely like the 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 first one. First half. Ha- first half, but this is even better so far. Two episodes in, we have just so many questions. Like so many what ifs. Well, yeah. it, it these aren't just what ifs like, oh, you know, what if these are like, OK, this is going to have heavy implications on the rest of the season. And I think, you know, what ifs are great as long as they're something that we really give a shit about. Exactly. A, a what if from season 13 was Gabriel and Asmodeus? What right. if he becomes super power? What if this matters? Right. And unfortunately, it, it didn't. didn't. This shit's going to matter. It, but yes, you're right. This here, there's no way it can't. Yeah. It, and if it doesn't, then. Jesus Christ. We're going gonna to hate watch. <laughs> yeah. The hate no, train's coming no. back, baby. I can't imagine them just saying, yeah, Doing this whatever. for no fucking reason. It's Come over on. now. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. They can't Asmodeus this or Gabriel this. It, well, it, they're putting, they're putting a lot of emphasis on it. And it's not just Nick. The other side of that coin is Jack. And, and we talked about it throughout season 13. Fucking like every episode is, will he, won't he turn to the dark side kind of element. And I think there is still that potential here. It's been pretty cemented that Jack is a good person. Yeah. But anybody can be pushed to something terrible. I think that's a nice parallel between Jack's position and Nick in some way. Yep. He can, if the wrong things happen, you can be pushed to doing terrible things. And seeing that Jack's struggle throughout this episode works very well within the archetypes that we have seen throughout the show for years that wrestling between his humanity and the question of his purpose, it, it it adds to this episode. He's a man without a country. He's lost right now. His power was his defining thing. Everyone wanted a piece of him, and he oh. was conf- <laughs> he was confident in what he could do. And he was throughout season thirteen, he got even arrogant. He's like, I can do all these things. I can stop Michael. I can save all these people. But without that, yeah, talking Castiel, he's shown. He has to find something more. And the way they paralleled it with Nick's story just made so much, so much sense on so many levels. And even though both these plot points, specifically Jack's, didn't necessarily intersect with the main plot at this point, it didn't need to because it added to the overall tonality of the episode, which created consistency within this particular episode, which is a plus because again another we're gonna do a lot of contrasting between this season and next and last season it's just that's just how it is yeah you have to and there was a problem with tonality there was a lot of Mm -hmm. things even in in the same episode things would change character characterizations would just switch the tone of an episode would be all over the place the fact that everything was consistent in tone and theme is what really worked for this episode and worked to really flesh out both jack Nick, Castiel, Sam, and Michael's story. And I think the thing with Jack, too, is that we see he still has the potential for good and bad. When we see Kelly Klein's family, we see what he misses, what he wants. 
and what he could still lose without knowing it, truthfully. He still puts emphasis on that despite Castiel, Sam, and Dean, Mary being his family. He still views that part as something he's lacking. Yeah, but, and he could but go, also can argue that with uh, with an orphan. You know, or yeah. someone that oh, was absolutely. given up to, given up for adoption. Chances are, yeah, they may want to play the tough game and say, "Hey, you know what? Fuck them. This I is my this is where my real parents. They're the ones who love me." But there's always that curiosity with most people absolutely. that have been adopted. Who is my biological father and mother? Did they care about me? Who are they? I want to figure out, you know, what type of people they were. I want to I want to find out. There's more family out there. But that's the, that's very that's very reasonable. It's very reasonable. But the thing I found interesting about that was how happy he was to see these strangers and yet someone like dean who is for the rough start they had shown to be there for him at the end it was interesting to see that jack was willing to cast dean aside to stop michael yeah i think that does still play into the potential dark side that he would do something wrong for what he perceives to be the right reason we see nick doing that right now you also have to remember that jack spent time on apocalypse world and he saw with his own eyes the, you know, destruction horror. and horror that, that Michael was creating just because he was an angel and everybody else were humans. So he knows what he's capable of. And, you know, as much as he cares for Dean, he doesn't want to see that happen, you know, on, on this planet. And there is some – you're absolutely right. And there is some something to be said about Sam and Dean's potential naiveness of we've always solved it before. And Jack is very much, I've seen what will happen if we are fucking around and try to wait for the proper answer to save everyone. He's more I think ready he, to pull the trigger. I think he's thinking less emotional, more practical. In my he opinion, is. When he told Castiel, hey, guess what? Dean would have done this. I was waiting yes. for him to say that. I was hoping he would because d- did he say that? He did. He did. did, he did. Oh, he did at the yeah. end. What do you think Dean would want? Yeah, it, that's exactly sounds like something Dean would say. In fact, he pulled that maneuver at the beginning of last season when it came to Jack. It's hard truths that we don't want to hear or admit. Yeah, we, we are Castiel not wanting to accept that that may be the truth. And even though it's the right thing to do, you know, and even from an audience perspective, we want Dean to be OK. We want Sam to right. be OK. Of course. But they've already drove home that point. Two years ago that the things they fuck up for each other and that was all of Ruby's not Ruby um, Billy that was Billy's whole whole gamut. Yeah she'll listen enough's enough you fuckers. <laughs> yeah th- this is it if you guys go messing with the alternate universes the whole house of cards is going to fall on top of itself. So, so, so maybe Jack's right. Yeah. Because even though as an audience, yes, we want them to live. We want them to save each other. But how many other people are looking at this saying, hey, you guys have created a lot of a a big mess as well. Yeah, you've saved the world. But also there's some messes you have left behind because the only things that are at the top of your list of importance, it's it's always the two of you. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's not a bad thing, I guess, but – but it's it's like Gabriel said back in season five. It's ultimately your own weakness too. Yeah, and there's always one, there's always more than one perspective as well. Yeah, and I mean th- all of this feeds into fantastic writing for this episode. One of Brad Buckner and G- Eugenia Ross Lemming's best scripts to date, easily, easily, yeah, easily the best. Let's yeah. let's calm down because they've tried. They've tried. They've 
these types of episodes before with all the parallels and yeah. look at the narrative. They're right. They're talking about the same thing, but they're not. Yeah. And sometimes it didn't go over well. No. This, this one went over really, really well. And a lot of that may have to do with the directing. But listen, a director can only do so much without some good writing. And I'm going to give I'm going to give props over to Buckner and Lemming for this. I mean, even though the yeah. Dean situation would be, you know, would appear to be resolved again, appear keyword and, and keyword, we yeah. wanted more of it the way it was done works as we said at the top of the show because of the mystery it leaves behind within its wake it wasn't a solution or fix that's, and that's the that, biggest thing right because it's it, not just mcguffin here we go <laughs> yes it, i it, found the egg guys it was my in my own ass this whole time and then they just <laughs> oh, save dean in one episode yeah it, the, the fact that sam didn't find that that one thing that would I found a spell. Him. Right. <laughs> we found a spell in a book that we didn't know existed in the far corner of the bunker. Yeah, here it is. Our solutions uh, How are, to get rid of, are in here. It's just a copy of the script. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it being apparently part of Michael's plan fills us with that immediate sense of dread. And it's not a win. That's why it worked. Because we know. Sam knows. Mary knows. Bobby knows. You can see it on all their faces. Right. This isn't, this doesn't seem right. It doesn't go this way normally. Yeah, this doesn't seem right. It leaves all all of us with the question of what the fuck's going to happen next. If Michael just let Dean go, what dangers lurk in the shadows now? And I think that's completely made all the more relevant by Michael's last words that in order to set a trap, you need to have bait. Man, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. The, and and the, you yeah, could, he set a trap, and we don't know what that trap was. Why would he send werewolves in there and then let Dean go and walk through the door? He can't honestly think that the were- souped-up werewolves were going to be the trap that got these no, guys. No, fuck no. Th- th- we haven't even seen the trap yet. The trap may very well be a a sleeper cell agent, Dean Winchester. I am <laughs> personally on the those lines that Michael is still within he, he's the there. vessel. Mm-hmm. He's there. He's still and there. And he's waiting for the right time to fuck things up. Or he found a way to jump from vessel to vessel. He could, but I feel like that would turn into <sighs> Jumper the movie. Yeah, too quickly. That, that jumps ju- into something gonna, else. That's too demon-like where I can just hop out. Well, and, and didn't we kind of have a problem with that whenever Lucifer did it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, because archangels are supposed to burn through these vessels very yep. quickly. Yeah. So his experiment would, quote, solve that. Nah. But, but. I think it'd be too easy. I'm, I'm with AD Gadri- with that. I, I agree. I think the Gadriel sleeper agent waiting for an opportunity to really hurt them where it counts is much more of a fucked up Michael trap that he has described. He's, from what we've seen, he's very cold and calculating. He's not fucking around or playing with his food like a cat and a mouse that was Lucifer's style. He's about getting results. And I think that's what we all, unfortunately and fortunately, have to wait and see what will happen with that. And it's 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 a smart play because I now I don't want to wait, Thomas. <laughs> I need to know now. Why do I not know now? Because you have to wait, Ryan. I want it now. You can't binge all your TV. But it was it was a very strong episode. It didn't feel like 45 minutes. It was very well paced. The acting was strong. The writing was strong. And Richard Spate did a great job of bringing those words to life from the page and putting it onto the screen 
not just in your standard, you have to watch it with the sound on necessarily to understand everything that's going on, but that very visual cinema, that, that cinematographer mentality of watching what you see can give you a lot of the story beyond just what they say. This episode was so well directed and so well written that you could turn the volume off and still know and what's figure going things on out. for the most part without closed captioning. Don't put that mm-hmm. on. No, that's cheating. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the attention to detail that we discussed before, whether that was the decaying church contrasted with, I mean, even Michael's wardrobe of, prim proper tuxedo fucking james bond level shit also wearing a bloody and disgusting leather apron covered with wounds and and that that reminds me we haven't even talked about the mirror scene yeah true there's just so much you can glean from a mirror shot in general like and that's something we've i think we've spoken that about Mm. that quite a bit in other shows as well anytime whenever a director or writer decides to use a mirror as a way to either a create a metaphor i mean the broken mirror come on i mean that is just good yeah. i don't Does care that not i don't fit care with our question of where is michael yeah i don't care how many times they've they've used a mirror or we've seen it in other tv shows it's so good it always works especially when michael broke the mirror and he's speaking to a shattered dean uh, yeah fuck it's good and again i think that leads into he's playing sleeper agent because he is so in control yeah. Why would you let that go unless you had a direct and deliberate reason? Yeah. It's it's just it's very well thought out. And it all this is a great example where it all comes together. So with that Ryan what are your final thoughts on this episode? Um I actually I I, I like this episode. I I agree that it, if we're going off the the, the two part um premiere kind of thing, mm-hmm. um I definitely feel like this portion at least to me was um fleshed out a lot of what we found out in the first episode um i think there was a lot more um spoken Mm -hmm. answers and what i mean by that is sometimes we get a lot of answers that are visual and this one was a lot more spoken answers as far as nick and jack jack and castiel so i mean and, and i don't mean that in a bad way i don't mean it was you know slow paced or anything like that i just feel like sometimes this might have been a little bit slower than the first part of the, you know, as episode one was as far as, you know, action and adventure or whatever. Um, but what we got was a lot of substance. And I think that was really good. I did enjoy that. I enjoyed um, I, every time you see Dean as Michael, I, dude, so far in the two episodes, he's been good, dude. They want more of it. Jensen is sure. really fucking good. Um. And just overall, I think there were some pretty cool parts. I, I, no one even brought up the part with Bobby speaking a bunch of shitty FBI lingo, which I thought was hilarious. Um, I don't recognize that Bobby. That's why. Oh, yeah. You know, you, he's he's, not, he's not your Bobby. He's fake Bobby. He's, Hashtag not my Bobby. Not my Bobby. Hashtag not my Bobby. Oh, okay. Anyways. I won't talk about him at all this year. I'm protesting. Bobby. Wow. Are you doing a sit-in mm-hmm. in your own show? Yeah. Wow. I'm going to create a caravan and we're going to march. Wow. That'll get a lot done. That'll get a lot done. Anyways, um, if uh, I'm going to give this one an, an A minus, um, I, I enjoyed the episode. I definitely think it fleshed out everything that we got started with episode one. The, the there's a lot more questions, and I said it earlier. The questions that we want are the ones that really we give a shit about. Mm-hmm. You know, with Nick, with Jack, with 
you know, Dean and Lucifer or uh, we give a Michael. Shit. We, that's, we that's, care. That's the, we those the words. Care. Those and are the think, words right there. I think that was the problem with last year was that we didn't give a fuck about half the shit that was going on. We were just like, oh, okay. after the halfway point, it, it fell apart. Yeah. yeah. So I think with this one, with this, with two episodes in, I, I, I care. Mm-hmm. I care about where we're going with the next eighteen episodes, and I think that's the most important thing, you know. And there, and I'm, I'm excited, man. I, I think. If we get more Michael slash Dean, I'm in. All right. Mike, what about you? What are your final thoughts? I don't have any. Pass. Oh, come on. No, I don't do that if, anymore. No. No, you don't, don't give let, grades. Don't you get final thoughts. Don't let the internet control this show. The internet doesn't control me. You're starting to let them. So no, what are your final I just, thoughts? I've chosen not to do that anymore. Oh, you're such a wiener. I feel like my final thoughts, I think people know. I mean, listen to the episode. <laughs> I liked it. Anything you wanted to add as a recap? No, that's it. It was good. God. Oh my god! Wow. I hate you so much. This is a, this is the thing he's doing now. He's not going to stop this. Yeah. God damn it! All right, I I'm a point prover. You're a penis. That's what you are. Yeah, you're a dickhole. Is what you are. Is what Sometimes known as a penis. Yes. <laughs> uh, I thought this episode was very strong. I thought it was a great example of how script and proper directing and proper acting and everyone working together can get more out of something that it's more than the sum of its parts. It's really a strong example of that. I thought it was far more emotional. The family tone throughout the entire episode really reminded me of older episodes of supernatural, older seasons, which is what drew me to the show in the first place. And the fact that it all does feel very well thought out for the season to use this as a launching point for far greater questions even if some of them aren't things we necessarily wanted, like Dean and Michael seemingly being done so early, the fact that we're talking about it this much is a good thing. Absolutely. So for me, this this is an A minus episode as well. Both episodes this season very strong, and, and I'm excited to see where we go with it. Yeah, th- th- I will say this: even though we really enjoyed the opening episodes of last season, mm-hmm. what was missing is what we feel now. Meaning, I feel, because I, I'm good at one thing in my life, and it's understanding and dissecting writing. I will, I will say that about myself. The only good thing I'll say about myself. <laughs> and I feel like when you dissect everything that's going on in these two episodes, it feels well thought out. Right. It feels like they actually mm-hmm. have a direction that they're going and they're going to stick with. Whereas last year, even with those opening two or three episodes that we enjoyed, it still felt a little erratic and not quite sure what they're going to focus on, what they're doing, or even what the story is going to be in the next episode. We liked it, but we didn't have a purpose. There wasn't that consistency feel. It didn't feel like the next episode goes into the next one, Mm -hmm. into the next one, into the next one. Whereas already two episodes in, you can feel that there's a plan. It's building towards something. Yes. Yeah. Whereas the last couple of seasons felt like a sandbox. There's yeah. a lot of great pieces here, but we, where the fuck are we going with it? And it's only going to get better because next week is written by Bobo. Oh. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. well, Avi, what about her final thoughts? Avi, I was going to say, what do you think this episode? <laughs> she thinks uh, a lot of Cough. coughing. A lot of coughing. <laughs> Sorry. Don't smoke, children. Um, oh, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> it's a joke. I didn't hear what he said. Avi, what are your thoughts? Um, she sa- He says no more smoking is what he said. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to agree with you guys. Um, definitely an uh, an A minus. I 
I actually told Thomas um, earlier that I described this episode as a quiet awesomeness because it <laughs> it kind of took you a minute to let everything that happened in the episode sink in. It wasn't, man, that was awesome because there was a lot of fight scenes or a lot of action, right. but it was just everything kind of hits you at the end and you realize just how amazing it was and how many opportunities it opened up for the season. So the perfect way of saying it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I am. I'm definitely excited. All right. Cool. Uh, do we have time for thoughts from Facebook? Or we're going to get right into next what, episode. What does it say next? It says break. All right. And that's a break. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll get into some thoughts and the discussion of the upcoming episode in just a moment. Hold on a second. Now or now, not. Now, <laughs> now, now I'm being paid back because there's no oh, here we go. Okay. Politic three program is reinstated. Open sesame. Yeah, I'm just gonna mind meld with you and I'm gonna take your thoughts. My thoughts to your thoughts and your thoughts. Your thoughts? Your thoughts. Your thoughts to mine. Well, just, just don't uh look into the corner where, you know, the the fantasy of Guinan in my dark mind is right there. Like Guinan? <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's so many other hot women in Star Trek. Go for Guinan? <laughs> wow, David. Jesus. Guinan was hot, man. Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? She is so... <laughs> wow, David. I like to learn under her. Oh. You want to get inside of her skirts? Her giant Amish-like robes? <laughs> oh, like, that, that's the thing. It's the mystery. What's no, underneath that? I don't need to know what's underneath that. <laughs> Michelle Forbes? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Dr. Crusher in the movies? Yes. It, but it's the mystery. It's the mystery. I like how they go, you know, is there a big booty David, underneath David, some mysteries are better off. Never know. <laughs> Never know. Star Trek from the holodeck. Exclusively on Rain Man Digital. Go to RainmanDigitalMedia.com or Patreon.com slash RainmanDigital. End simulation. Become an elite Crossroads listener by pledging to our Patreon page. By pledging, you not only gain access to more Supernatural-themed broadcasts, but you help us keep what we're doing every single month going. Want to watch the live video stream every show? Then pledge $15 a month and gain access to the live video feed along with quarterly gifts and every additional piece of Crossroads content we put out each month. Just want the video casts? Then pledge $10 and gain access to our Season 1 retrospective discussions and breakdowns, including specialty shows, and you also gain everything from the $1 to $5 tiers like the bonus Crossroads podcast, the Crossroads pre-show, the, cine- the cinematography of Supernatural, and the 10 minutes at the Crossroads minicast. Pledge today and gain access to all of this and more over on patreon.com slash Digital. Welcome back, everybody. Supernatural, The Crossroads. Now we're going to read some discussion and points from Facebook on what you guys thought of the episode. Uh, Starting with Heather Rushforth, who says, I feel this episode was so much better slash tighter than last week. I don't know why. I love what they are doing with Nick. Either he was a psychopath, sociopath before Lucifer got to him, or he is now or he is now because of Lucifer. Probably the latter. Uh, We touched on that a little bit. I think it's. That is definitely going to be one of the reveals for him as a character that'll 
probably break him or or push him over into an even darker place than he is currently. And I'd like to see him be a primary antagonist. Yeah. For for I mean, because that's some fucked up stuff, man. You got you got to touch on that and have that. It'd be nice to see a human as a villain. Yeah, it was for dark. the brothers as well. That would be interesting. Yeah. My son, a and human I, that we, offers. We talked about that after the show because we were like, "What would they do with him? Like, what are they going to do with him after they find out? Because technically, he's a human committing a human crime, so it's not normally something that they take care of. But he was Lucifer's vessel, and he screwed up because of it. So, what do they do? Yeah, yeah, it's. That is, I think, currently the subplot to watch, for sure. Um, She also says, Jensen was much more comfortable here, and I can see some of Michael's plan now. Jack's scenes with the Kleins was amazing, and Cass slash Nick scenes were some of the best Misha and Mark work I have seen. I think think we everyone agrees on that. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, See here. Uh, Kathy Tyler says, oh my god, I just realized the episode was nothing but Winchester mirror images. Nick is mirroring Sam, and Jack is mirroring Dean. The last season, what did Dean say or do to Jack after the death of his mother? I will kill you, you are a monster. And for Sam, how damaged he was with his soul after the possession of Lucifer. His soulless self was ruthless. Now, think of the common connection that Nick and Jack don't have right now, but the Winchesters did. Both Dean and Sam had the other brother to balance them out. One of them, even even in the most horrible of times, kept the faith. Dean even says it out loud last season and let's not forget the stone cold number one. Uh, forget stone cold number one. The the fact that they do have each other to balance them out is probably something that we overlook sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, and she's absolutely right. With season 13, Dean lost all faith, but he said he needed Sam to have that. Otherwise, right. he would have gone down a dark spiral. I could easily see Jack and Nick, especially Nick, don't have that right now. They're just dealing with that fallout in a way in which they don't think anybody can understand their pain. Uh, She says, both Nick and Jack showed signs of loss and what could happen if you don't have someone to talk you off the ledge. So Michael's looking for that balance as well, for someone to talk him off the ledge and getting into the bunker to silently watch the Winchesters. Hopefully Michael can learn to find that balance within himself and throughout the Winchester universe. And yes, angels are not supposed to have souls, but at one time there was a balance with Lucifer running hell and Michael protecting heaven. That balance has been gone for more than five years in the Winchester universe and it needs to be restored, uh, which she says leads more fuel to Ryan's idea in the previous episode of that one brother watches one reality and the other watches the other side of that coin. Um, Sharon Grayton says uh, in our chat right now going uh-huh. on, she says in the next episode, we will find out how Nick got from Kansas to Baltimore. Uh, did he steal a car <laughs> from the bunker's garage? How did he pay for gas? And Cass is a really bad babysitter. Both Jack and Nick escaped under his watch. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that last part. That's just funny. But uh, the first part, I mean, there's things uh, that we just let go in TV shows. You never yeah. see A to B all the time. You see A to D. TV just takes those jumps and leaps. I I don't think it needs to be answered. Do you? No, I don't think so. We, Maybe he uh, stole some gas money. It really doesn't matter. The, it, Maybe he became a bull. How he got there is irrelevant. It's the fact that the the plot continued once he was there. It's just travel time. Yeah. It, it, Although I appreciate the thought, and I and I did ask those questions as well. Like, how did he get over there? 
at the same time, those I are mean, just. I mean, my biggest question is nobody said, where the fuck have you been for 10 years and pay where are your taxes? <laughs> like, right. you owe us money. Hey, Nick, you're still alive? <laughs> well, you, we got some questions. Uh, your house has been sold. Yeah, Repossessed. You owe, you owe, uh, we had a fucking funeral, I man. Mean, we, take we, your we, car, we can bro. literally do that with everything. How can we never see Sam and Dean take a shit? I mean. Because <laughs> they don't poop because they're 10. Their 10s don't poop, right. dude. Do Sam and Dean ever whack it? We never see that. Do no. they fuck? They got, they are, they, are they second virgins? Oh, come on. I mean, we can we second can, virgins. Uh, yeah, that's a thing. Okay. When you decide not to have sex anymore, you become a second virgin. <laughs> I did that after the failure of my first marriage. Oh, no. Now we got yeah, sex. Right. I was going to say that's <laughs> no, but I, I'm being facetious. As, as no, we, and, and, and you're right. You have to just if it's not plot relevant, we didn't need to see it. Although those are questions. To be fair, I did have those same questions. No, I mean, they're fair questions because, again, I'm asking like, dude. Where the IRS is coming for you, like the second you called the cops. <laughs> like, yeah. Because you've been gone for 10 fucking years. Those are valid questions she brings up, and they're the same questions I had, but I don't base my review on things like that. Right. Now, if they're highly illogical, if it's a fucking like suddenly mystery. Nick had a zoot suit on and he was He's snapping and dancing, and flying. But then I'm going to be like, what? That's a foul what ball. Fuck That's a foul ball. What are you doing here? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, then I would flip out. But there's some things you just gotta go with. Yeah. Right? Am I right or yeah, am I? No, you're you're oh, right. Okay. There's some things you just gotta gloss over. All right, we have one more. We have time for one more. All right. Brad Joe says, uh funny story I had to rewatch. The Sharon episode. says just a joke. <laughs> well, I kind of figured it was. That's why we were laughing. <laughs> Sorry, Sharon. I'm not picking on you. I, I swear. Brad Joe says, uh, Anyway, my thoughts on this episode was that it was pretty good. I kind of spoiled myself about Michael's monster plan since I read an interview that one of the duo did. Speaking of Buck Lemming, they did a good job balancing out all the characters. I felt all of them got good screen time. And I also think that Jensen is still doing a good job with Michael. I think Michael is hiding inside Dean the way that Cass uh, – in a way that Cass won't be able to see him just like Gadriel did in season nine with Sam. The Jack meeting his grandparents kind of seemed out of place to me. I'm starting to find Nick interesting. I really hope it's just Nick and not Lucifer, since I think it is a neat idea to have Lucifer dead, but the actions he has done still find a way to mess with Sam and Dean and the other characters. Agreed. I agree. I think Lucifer we love, but he's got to be gone for, if not forever, for a long time. And I think there's a lot more, there's a lot more of a human element to the emotional fallout and the trauma that people go through from horrible things like that i mean we can't relate with angels and demon possession but to see nick just a human have to go through this and the actions that that the domino effect that has on him and his life and those around him right i think is far more compelling at this point than just lucifer's back and isn't he a dick you know yeah i agree all right so with that, Ryan, can you give us a synopsis for the upcoming episode? I sure can. Still trying to solve the mystery of what happened to Dean, Sam enlists the help of Sheriff Jody Mills, who may uh. unknowingly already be on the case. Castiel continues to be a father figure to Jack, who surprises even himself when a life is on the line. Uh, Robert Singer directed and was written by Robert Barron. Kim Rhodes is getting more and more steamy as the years go by. Yeah, just-, <laughs> just, just a side note there. Just want that to be known. Yeah, just a side note. I just want to say it. And also, if you look at that new photo she posted to promote her podcast. Yeah. Um, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Did you get a boner? I like that leg. <laughs> Did you get a boner? A little bit of a butt cheek hanging. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> and she's doing it well. I'm interested for this episode because, A, we all love Robert Barron's as a writer. So him coming back, 
his first episode this season almost guaranteed to be fantastic. But also, I, I'm interested to see with Jody Mills what's going on with her story, since unfortunately the backdoor pilot did not take off with Wayward Sisters. We know that they still talked about these characters will still have a story that will continue or in some ways go beyond just being left open-ended and never touched on. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what's going on with her in this show, in this story. And I'm hoping that Robert Barron's does what we've seen with these last two episodes of tying it all in. And hopefully this is another building block on top of the previous two episodes yep. so that it feels consistent in that unlike the last couple of seasons, it does feel like we are moving towards something. And with him, I, I have very little doubt that'll be the case. Yeah. So I know I'm like, I'm excited. Uh, you have the return of Kim Rhodes, which that's always a plus. Very rarely does she come into an episode that just sucks. Right. Uh, she brings a lot to the episode as well. There is just that rapport with not just the audience, but Sam and Dean, the character herself. There's just so much rapport there that the episode, I would think, kind of writes itself. If you know the characters and you know what you want, you don't have to even worry about putting together a beat sheet and knowing what direction you're going to go. No, if you know the story, you just start writing because it just all works together. So Bobo being the writer there. And you have Kim Rhodes coming back. This is going to be, this is going to be a good episode. I'm, I'm, my expectations are high now. (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) But I have good feelings about this one. I mean, so far we're, we're on to a good start with season 14 and we have clear direction in which we're heading. Even if we have mystery, mystery surrounding it and a lot of questions, Mm -hmm. it's, it's so far we're doing pretty good. I'm excited about it. And again, for 14 years in, that's pretty fucking impressive. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I just love how we just tiptoed around. Like, he's like, yo, so far we're doing pretty good. We're two, e- <laughs> two episodes in. Hey, simmer down. Hey. Every episode. All right, guys, four episodes in. All right, guys, we're doing good. Can doing you, good. Can you please, can you please let us, don't, don't destroy us. I'm just saying. <laughs> let, fill, us enjoy, let us A filler episode's coming, it. guys. Okay? Let me have it. Shut the fuck up, Ryan. <laughs> don't <laughs> ruin have this for a minute, okay? A filler episode's coming, boys. It's <laughs> well, if it's a filler, fine. As long as it's a good... As long as it's good filler. We, we like those I, Monster of the I Week episodes. Know. Why are you trying to, like, Why do you want to pop our bubbles? Because uh, it's fun. <laughs> You're fine. Like Leave it. my bubble alone. I like watching you guys deflate. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing to me what I did to Sharon. Poor Sharon. Yeah. Is that what you're trying You're to welcome, do? You're Sharon. Trying to pay me back? Yeah. <laughs> pay it forward. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it here for us at Supernatural The Crossroads. We want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to us. We want to thank AV for being our guest host today. Thank you very much for stopping by and staying up till the wee, the wee hours of the morning where you are. Yeah. <laughs> and so far, as we said, without Ryan deflating everybody, we've done good so far. Hopefully this track will keep going. Robert Barron's is, is sure to not disappoint with that. Yeah. So we'll have to wait till next week. And that'll be it for us here. Thank you guys all. We'll see you next time. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.